Section 4 of The Wound Dresser by Walt Whitman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hospital Visits, Part 1. As this tremendous war goes on, the public interest becomes more general and gathers more and more closely about the wounded, the sick, and the government hospitals, the surgeons, and all appertaining to the medical department of the army. Up to the date of this writing, December ninth, 1864, there have been, as I estimate, near 400,000 cases under treatment, and there are today, probably, taking the whole service of the United States, 200,000, or an approximation to that number, on the doctor's list. Half of these are comparatively slight ailments or hurts. Every family has directly or indirectly some representative among this vast army of the wounded and sick. The following sketch is made to gratify the general interest in this field of the war, and also for a few special persons through whose means alone I have aided the men. It extends over a period of two years coming down to the present hour, and exhibits the army hospitals at Washington, the camp hospitals in the field, etc. A very few cases are given as specimens of thousands. The account may be relied upon as faithful, though rapidly thrown together, it will put the reader in as direct contact as may be with scenes, sights, and cases of these immense hospitals. As will be seen, it begins back two years since, at a very gloomy period of the contest. Began my visits, December twenty-first, 1862, among the camp hospitals in the Army of the Potomac under General Burnside. Spent a good part of the day in a large brick mansion on the banks of the Rappahannock, immediately opposite Fredericksburg. It is used as a hospital since the battle, and seems to have received only the worst cases. Outdoors, at the foot of a tree, within ten yards of the front of the house, I notice a heap of amputated feet, legs, arms, hands, etc., about a load for a one-horse cart. Several dead bodies lie near, each covered with its brown woolen blanket. In the dooryard toward the river are fresh graves, mostly of officers, their names on pieces of barrel staves or broken board stuck in the dirt. Most of these bodies were subsequently taken up and transported north to their friends. The house is quite crowded, everything impromptu, no system, all bad enough, but I have no doubt the best that can be done. All the wounds pretty bad, some frightful, the men in their old clothes, unclean and bloody. Some of the wounded are rebel officers, prisoners. One, a Mississippian, a captain, hit badly in the leg I talked with some time. He asked me for papers, which I gave him. I saw him three months afterward in Washington with leg amputated, doing well. I went through the rooms, downstairs and up. Some of the men were dying. I had nothing to give at that visit, but wrote a few letters to folks home, mothers, etc., also talked to three or four who seemed most susceptible to it and needing it. December 22nd to 31st Am among the regimental brigade and division hospitals somewhat. Few at home realize that these are merely tents and sometimes very poor ones, the wounded lying on the ground, lucky if their blanket is spread on a layer of pine or hemlock twigs or some leaves. No cots, seldom even a mattress on the ground. It is pretty cold. I go around from one case to another. I do not see that I can do any good, 
but I cannot leave them. Once in a while some youngster holds on to me convulsively, and I do what I can for him. At any rate, stop with him and sit near him for hours if he wishes it. Besides the hospitals, I also go occasionally on long tours through the camps, talking with the men, etc., sometimes at night among the groups around the fires in their shebang enclosures of bushes. I soon get acquainted anywhere in camp with officers or men, and am always well used. Sometimes I go down on picket with the regiments I know best. As to rations, the army here at present seems to be tolerably well supplied, and the men have enough, such as it is. Most of the regiments lodge in the flimsy little shelter tents. A few have built themselves huts of logs and mud, with fireplaces. I might give a long list of special cases, interesting items of the wounded men here, but have not space. Left Falmouth, January 1863, by Aquia Creek Railroad, and so on government steamer up the Potomac. Many wounded were with us on cars and boat. The cars were just common platform ones. The railroad journey of ten or twelve miles was made mostly before sunrise. The soldiers guarding the road came out from their tents or shebangs of bushes with rumpled hair and half-awake look. Those on duty were walking their posts, some on banks over us, others down far below the level of the track. I saw large cavalry camps off the road. At Aquia Creek Landing were numbers of wounded going north. While I waited some three hours, I went around among them. Several wanted words sent home to parents, brothers, wives, etc., which I did for them, by mail the next day from Washington. On the boat I had my hands full. One poor fellow died going up. Am now, January, February, etc., 1863, in and around Washington, daily visiting the hospitals. Am much in Campbell, Patent Office, 8th Street, H Street, Armory Square, and others. Am now able to do a little good, having money, as almoner of others' home, and getting experience. I would like to give lists of cases, for there is no end to the interesting ones, but it is impossible without making a large volume, or rather several volumes. I must therefore let one or two days' visits at this time suffice, as specimens of scores and hundreds of subsequent ones through the ensuing spring, summer, and fall, and indeed down to the present week. Sunday, January 25th. Afternoon until nine in the evening, visited Campbell Hospital. Attended specially to one case in Ward I, very sick with pleurisy and typhoid fever, young man, farmer's son, D. F. Russell, Company E, 60th New York, downhearted and feeble, a long time before he would take any interest. Soothed and cheered him gently, wrote a letter home to his mother in Malone, Franklin County, New York, at his request, gave him some fruit and one or two other gifts, enveloped and directed his letter, etc. Then went thoroughly through Ward 6, observed every case in the ward, without, I think, missing one. Found some cases, I thought, needed little sums of money, supplied them, sums of perhaps thirty, twenty-five, twenty, or fifteen cents. Distributed a pretty bountiful supply of cheerful reading matter, and gave perhaps some twenty to thirty persons, each one some little gift, such as oranges, apples, sweet crackers, figs, etc., etc., etc. Thursday, January 29th. 
devoted the main part of the day from eleven to three thirty o'clock to armory square hospital went pretty thoroughly through wards f g h and i some fifty cases in each ward in ward h supplied the men throughout with writing paper and a stamped envelope each also some cheerful reading matter distributed in small portions about half of it in this ward to proper subjects a large jar of first-rate preserved berries also other small gifts in wards g h and i found several cases i thought good subjects for small sums of money which i furnished in each case the poor wounded men often come up dead broke and it helps their spirits to have even the small sum i give them my paper and envelopes all gone but distributed a good lot of amusing reading matter also as i thought judicious tobacco oranges apples etc some very interesting cases in ward i charles miller bed number nineteen company d fifty-third pennsylvania is only sixteen years of age very bright courageous boy left leg amputated below the knee next bed below him young lad very sick gave the two each appropriate gifts in the bed above also amputation of the left leg gave him a part of a jar of raspberries bed number one this ward gave a small sum also also to a soldier on crutches sitting on his bed near evening same day went to see d f r campbell hospital before alluded to found him remarkably changed for the better up and dressed quite a triumph he afterwards got well and went back to his regiment distributed in the wards a quantity of note-paper and forty or fifty mostly paid envelopes of which the men were much in need also a four-pound bag of ginger snaps i bought at a baker's in seventh street here is a case of a soldier i found among the crowded cots in the patent hospital they have removed most of the men of late and broken up that hospital he likes to have someone to talk to and we will listen to him he got badly wounded in the leg and side at fredericksburg that eventful saturday thirteenth december he lay the succeeding two days and nights helpless on the field between the city and those grim batteries for his company and his regiment had been compelled to leave him to his fate to make matters worse he lay with his head slightly downhill and could not help himself at the end of some fifty hours he was brought off with other wounded under a flag of truce we ask him how the rebels treated him during those two days and nights within reach of them whether they came to him whether they abused him he answers that several of the rebels soldiers and others came to him at one time and another a couple of them who were together spoke roughly and sarcastically but did no act one middle-aged man however who seemed to be moving around the field among the dead and wounded for benevolent purposes came to him in a way he will never forget this man treated our soldier kindly bound up his wounds cheered him gave him a couple of biscuits gave him a drink of whiskey and water asked him if he could eat some beef this good secesh however did not change our soldier's position for it might have caused the blood to burst from the wounds where they were clotted and stagnated our soldier is from pennsylvania has had a pretty severe time the wounds proved to be bad ones but he retains a good heart and is at present on the gain it is not uncommon for the men to remain on the field this way one two 
or even four or five days. I continue among the hospitals during March, April, etc., without intermission. My custom is to go through a ward or a collection of wards, endeavoring to give some trifle to each without missing any. Even a sweet biscuit, a sheet of paper, or a passing word of friendliness, or but a look or nod if no more. In this way I go through large numbers without delaying, yet do not hurry. I find out the general mood of the ward at the time, sometimes see that there is a heavy weight of listlessness prevailing and the whole ward wants cheering up i perhaps read to the men to break the spell calling them around me careful to sit away from the cot of any one who is very bad with sickness or wounds also i find out by going through in this way the cases that need special attention and can then devote proper time to them of course i am very cautious among the patients in giving them food I always confer with a doctor, or find out from the nurse or wardmaster about a new case. But I soon get sufficiently familiar with what is to be avoided, and learn also to judge almost intuitively what is best. I do a good deal of writing letters by the bedside, of course, writing all kinds, including love letters. Many sick and wounded soldiers have not written home to parents, brothers, sisters, and even wives, for one reason or another, for a long, long time. Some are poor writers. Some cannot get paper and envelopes. Many have an aversion to writing, because they dread to worry the folks at home. The facts about them are so sad to tell. I always encourage the men to write, and promptly write for them. As I write this in May 1863, the wounded have begun to arrive from Hooker's command, from bloody chancellorsville i was down among the first arrivals the men in charge of them told me the bad cases were yet to come if that is so i pity them for these are bad enough you ought to see the scene of the wounded arriving at the landing here foot of sixth street at night two boatloads came about half past seven last night a little after eight it rained a long and violent shower the poor, pale, helpless soldiers had been debarked and lay around on the wharf and neighborhood, anywhere. The rain was, probably, grateful to them. At any rate, they were exposed to it. The few torches light up the spectacle. All around on the wharf, on the ground, out on side places, etc., the men are lying on blankets, old quilts, etc., with the bloody rags bound around their heads, arms, legs, etc., the attendants are few, and at night few outsiders also. Only a few hard-work transportation men and drivers. The wounded are getting to be common, and people grow callous. The men, whatever their condition, lie there and patiently wait till their turn comes to be taken up. Nearby the ambulances are now arriving in clusters, and one after another is called to back up and take its load. Extreme cases are sent off on stretchers. The men generally make little or no ado, whatever their sufferings, a few groans that cannot be repressed, and occasionally a scream of pain as they lift a man into the ambulance. Today, as I write, hundreds more are expected, and tomorrow and the next day more, and so on for many days. The soldiers are nearly all young men, and far more Americans than is generally supposed. I should say nine-tenths are native-born. 
among the arrivals from chancellorsville i find a large proportion of ohio indiana and illinois men as usual there are all sorts of wounds some of the men are fearfully burnt from the explosion of artillery caissons one ward has a long row of officers some with ugly hurts yesterday was perhaps worse than usual amputations are going on the attendants are dressing wounds as you pass by you must be on your guard where you look i saw the other day a gentleman a visitor apparently from curiosity in one of the wards stop and turn a moment to look at an awful wound they were probing etc he turned pale and in a moment more he had fainted away and fallen on the floor i buy during the hot weather boxes of oranges from time to time and distribute them among the men also preserve peaches and other fruits also lemons and sugar for lemonade tobacco is also much in demand large numbers of the men come up as usual without a cent of money through the assistance of friends in brooklyn and boston i am again able to help many of those that fall in my way it is only a small sum in each case but it is much to them as before i go around daily and talk with the men to cheer them up my notebooks are full of memoranda of the cases of this summer and the wounded from chancellorsville but space forbids my transcribing them as i sit writing this paragraph sundown thursday june twenty fifth i see a train of about thirty huge four-horse wagons used as ambulances filled with wounded passing up fourteenth street on their way probably to columbia and carver and mount pleasant hospitals this is the way the men come in now seldom in small numbers but almost always in these long sad processions through the past winter while our army lay opposite fredericksburg the like strings of ambulances were of frequent occurrence along seventh street passing slowly up from the steamboat wharf from aquia creek this afternoon july twenty second eighteen sixty three i spent a long time with a young man i have been with considerable named oscar f wilbur company g one hundred fifty fourth new york low with chronic diarrhoea and a bad wound also he asked me to read him a chapter in the new testament i complied and asked him what i should read he said make your own choice I opened at the close of one of the first books of the evangelists and read the chapters describing the latter hours of Christ and the scenes of the crucifixion. The poor wasted young man asked me to read the following chapter also, How Christ Rose Again. I read very slowly, for Oscar was feeble. It pleased him very much, yet the tears were in his eyes. He asked me if I enjoyed religion. I said, perhaps not my dear in the way you mean and yet may be it is the same thing he said it is my chief reliance he talked of death and said he did not fear it i said why oscar don't you think you will get well he said i may but it is not probable he spoke calmly of his condition the wound was very bad it discharged much then the diarrhoea had prostrated him, and I felt that he was even then the same as dying. He behaved very manly and affectionate. The kiss I gave him as I was about leaving he returned fourfold. He gave me his mother's address, 
Mrs. Sally D. Wilbur, Allegheny Post Office, Cattaraugus County, New York. I had several such interviews with him. He died a few days after the one just described. August, September, October, etc. I continue among the hospitals in the same manner, getting still more experience, and daily and nightly meeting with most interesting cases. Through the winter of 1863-4, to four, the same. The work of the Army Hospital Visitor is indeed a trade, an art, requiring both experience and natural gifts, and the greatest judgment. A large number of the visitors to the hospitals do no good at all, while many do harm. The surgeons have great trouble from them. Some visitors go from curiosity, as to a show of animals. Others give the men improper things. Then there are always some poor fellows in the crises of sickness or wounds that imperatively need perfect quiet, not to be talked to by strangers. Few realize that it is not the mere giving of gifts that does good, it is the proper adaption. Nothing is of any avail among the soldiers except conscientious personal investigation of cases, each for itself, with sharp critical faculties, but in the fullest spirit of human sympathy and boundless love. The men feel such love more than anything else. I have met very few persons who realize the importance of humoring the yearnings for love and friendship of these American young men prostrated by sickness and wounds. End of Hospital Visits, Part 1